growing your own community off YouTube, growing your own community off of YouTube after you want everyone to get you on, to, to, to come to your YouTube channel. And now you're saying, okay, great. Now I want you to leave and go to this other community that I own. Gwen Miller, what kinds of communities could there be that we might want to send somebody off of YouTube to do? I think, uh, you know, some of the more traditional ones might be you have your own website. Maybe you're even sell selling your own ad space on that website. So you want to get people over there because you don't have to share the revenue split with, say, a platform like YouTube. That's an example. It might be your own email list, right? Because in this case, you then own the co connection with that audience. You have their emails. You can get them to convert to other stuff via, via a, say a newsletter that's going out. Um, but it, it could be a lot of other things that I know that Shelly is much more an expert on than I am. And Shelly, why? Why would we want to send anyone off of YouTube. YouTube is the end all be all. Why would they want to leave our pretty little YouTube channel at all? Maybe they don't want to, but maybe they would be forced to because YouTube shuts down your own channel. Maybe oh, through something that you did or maybe because of, you know, some weird software glitch and algorithm um, anomaly, which has happened to people. But I think one thing, I mean, and you could create a community on YouTube, considering the fact that there are available ways to do so, including creating actual membership and tier perks. So that's definitely one way to do it and keep it all on platform. But one thing similar to creating an email list, that is your direct connection with your people, whether it's communicating some sort of life event, communicating that a new video went out, communicating a new offer or business or offering that you have. That's how you communicate directly with your audience. And so a, a lot of the smarter off businesses and brands and actual uh, creators are finding more ways to be connected with their viewers. So there's actually a whole bunch of ways and we can get into it. But I mean, it's, it's a very smart idea because if you put all of your membership um, on, on YouTube waiting for them to send out notifications. And they've indicated to us that sometimes they at max put out 10% of the notifications of people opting in. Think about that and how it drastically cuts your reach, let alone if your channel got demonetized or terminated. Right, and, and so I, I've seen some YouTubers do this and as YouTubers evolve into businesses or businesses that are really savvy about this, they're really good at um, getting people to come into a, a select community. So it might be a Facebook group that you own. And sometimes people call it the same thing as their channel. Sometimes they, they do it slightly different to sort of expand the reach, I guess. Some people ha are now, a lot of people are doing Discord yeah. servers now. I've tried, I've tried doing my own little um, Slack and frankly, Slack just not really made for people who are, it's not made for the public. It's made for one company at a time. And I think that that is unfortunate. I've been part of, part of some Slack groups that are sort of public groups. But it's just too hard to invite people actually and manage mm -hmm. if they're not yep. part of the company, which makes it essentially right. unusable because I like it a lot more than the Discord interface, but Discord is sort of become the default non 
public way not you know it's it's still owned by discord but it's you're not under facebook's thumb i guess and and gwen miller uh what type of communities do you participate in for businesses or youtubers that are off of youtube uh me personally yes you personally so i have multiple i do have multiple groups that i participate in a couple on slack and, and some on discord so some people uh, are doing slack i mean yeah you are i'm in one with okay. you yes all right <laughs> but i'm also on a, a second one but i will say the slack ones are much less active than the discord ones i have found it's slack is much more seen as like a messaging platform so you kind of go there when you have a message but it's not quite one where it's like as much as discord where you're going to go and you're going to like surf the different channels and you know learn something interesting about you know x y and z you know i think you kind of have the layers of types of communities right where you have youtube which is very it's it's very broad it's very welcoming in a lot of ways anyone can kind of come and talk in the comments within parameters that you that you that you as a creator set on what you allow within your comment section and then you kind of come down to what i would consider discord mainly is which is often kind of seen as this invite only kind of a curated set of people you know you're going to hang out on, on discord and there is some level of moderation and curation on who's in that group and that they can be kicked out so that you have that it, you feel like maybe you can share stuff that you wouldn't share in say a more public forum because even though it is not private it feels more intimate is kind of how i would put it you feel discord seems intimate to you yeah for, for sure i definitely i definitely feel because it is mostly discord channels are invite only it feels like it's a curated group of people and shelly um what about uh, patreon is patreon still a thing absolutely it is still a thing and there are several other sites that a lot of people will do, but Patreon is kind of similar to, or could be similar as YouTube channel membership. So people can decide on tiers. They can decide on what those perks will actually include. They can receive things anywhere from discounts on clothing, which might be integrated into the merch shelf of YouTube. They can receive extra special um, like meet and greets or like Zoom things or um, like member only type of videos or videos where only they can chat or they can only be the ones to see it. So that's all very similar to what YouTube has. But Patreon has the added uphill battle, though, of things like getting people off of a platform where they might already be on. But it has less of a hurdle if you have stuff like um, you're doing a lot of music cover songs and you have a lot of copywritten music or something like that. If you were doing dance lessons where you have to worry about your stream being shut down, which will happen on a private Facebook group, which will happen in a YouTube live stream. If you're playing sometimes copywritten music, they can shut down your stream similar to Twitch. Or <laughs> I thought it was hilarious on Twitch when there was a band performing their own song. And then because of the AI, they got like blocked from their own performance <laughs> for a charity thing. I thought that was hilarious. But I mean, there are some certain freedoms and flexibilities on other platforms, such as a Patreon that uh, you may not have to worry about, but you have to get people off of the platform where they may have found you. So that's the added kind of hurdle. Yeah. In fact, I was talking to my friend Jeff this morning. We, we had a cup of coffee 
And Jeff is a doctor, but he also apparently wants to be a fire juggler, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what that is. Um, yeah. Uh, and so he's been watching this YouTube channel. And he said last year he totally was watching this YouTube channel, but he couldn't figure. He's like, Jeff doesn't know a ton about YouTube. He's not like your total into YouTube guy. And he's like, but I wanted to pay him and I couldn't figure out. So how do you pay him? And I and I figured out that I could pay him on Patreon. And so that's how I supported him because I really wanted, you know, it it it, it may seem like an unlikely skill, but you know what? You don't want to juggle fire wrong. <laughs> so, and I don't know what it's called movement classes or some sort of something. There's like some sort of category for it. And tell me in the chat if you know what that's called because I I can't remember what it's like movement something uh it had there's like some names for it what about Gwen is email a community is email a community that you own or not quite it's really just one way I wouldn't really call it a community so much it, unless you're actually running an old fashioned listserv, right? You know, which I am a part of a couple of those where it is much Still. more like the community. Yeah. Yeah. For example. So uh, I'm part of a, essentially a kind of women in media group mm-hmm. that will has a listserv essentially that will all ping if we're like, we need a PA or does anyone know a translator in, you know, Atlanta, so like that does become back and forth but most of the time these days these old-fashioned listeners aren't really a thing and what you're really talking about is an own an owned platform Mm -hmm. in a sense right Right. where you're able to send out one-way communication it's a publishing platform similar to how youtube would be a publishing uh, platform you just own more directly the the audience and i don't think that really like um something that that was a thing for a hot minute some years ago was like LinkedIn groups and everyone was saying, yeah, be in my LinkedIn group. I'm sure I'm in 50 LinkedIn groups that I refuse to get notifications from. And I I doubt anything happens in them. Shelly, of course, one of the big owned way of owning your community is getting part of a membership group on a platform like Thinkific or Teachable or you screen now, yeah. Podia, Javi, Javi. Yeah, they all offer it. How do we? How do we get someone? And does it have to be? First of all, does it have to be? And should it always be paid when we get someone in a community like that? I think you could do it two ways. You could have a general community that might even be free with certain topics that you might discuss, and then the people, almost like a mastermind, that you would want to go deeper with on a particular topic connection or something or want additional help or expertise, they could become like elevated into a smaller select group of people that do a paid or some people will do just like almost like a paid mastermind group. It's a or accountability group where each member pays so that they have some skin in the game so that then they will do their homework or, you know, hopefully have some semblance of wanting to be there and keep showing up because they want to get their money's worth. Unlike some of those gym memberships where you just pay it and you're just like, oh, you know, (laughs) you never go. This is supposed to be like to motivate you to like stay and participate in discussions. But 
I, I think it could go either way. It depends on how much your audience trusts you, how big your audience is, what the main goal of that group and membership is. There could be many, many purposes. You may have a very small group of five and everyone's paying a high amount. You could have a group of a hundred and it's all free. Yeah, you know, sometimes when I do a membership of, you know, almost anything, gym, uh, learn how to edit something, whatever it is, um, I feel like I've joined it, that the accomplishment is done. I don't have to take the course. I don't have to be part of the chat or anything. Like, my job is done. I, I don't have time to be in a community. I'm a busy person. Of course, when it comes to Facebook or whatever, I'm like chatting away. Oh, look at this Facebook group. Hey, you know what? I, well, you know what I think about this or that. So I wonder how we can keep people more involved and really make those membership, paid membership communities more valuable and, and engage, get people to engage more. What types of we, we've been we've sort of had a theme over the past weeks of the the chit chat and the comments and how, what have you seen of people do that to keep people engaged effectively or is it just hard uh, I'm asking Shelley oh I was like I don't know who are you asking um I think well one it, I think it is hard and I think that especially when the group is just becoming a fledgling little thing. You know, you might have a couple of people who are kind of enthusiastic about it, but the problem becomes before you've reached that critical mass where you kind of break off into these like smaller groups from the large group, it can be very, um, if the if the leader doesn't want, the person who created the group doesn't want to continually go in and jab and become this like little fire starter and no one else is really involved enough to do that, then it can just die really, really quickly. And then a lot of people who don't see return, they just don't come back to the group. So it's almost a better idea to, you know, go in with the game plan of maybe there's a challenge that's going to happen. Maybe there's specific days and posts. Maybe you could um, schedule your posts ahead of time, a week out, uh, two weeks out, a month out in that first a little bit, because sometimes people aren't going to participate if it's not an easy question like we've talked about. They're not going to participate if they don't have an opinion on something that is being presented. And um, you really do have to maybe think out the beginning parts of it, because if you just say, OK, let's, I don't know, chit chat, I guess it's very random. And when you have random, it can be hard to get, gain a lot of traction. So I feel like for groups that are just starting, you may need to start it, kickstart it with some sort of challenge or some sort of prefed content that is really kind of prompting people to participate. And, and, you know, it's easy to forget how many social media platforms have fallen by the wayside. Um, I'm sure that if we really think about it or someone mentions them to us, we can think of a few that we were like, hey, that's, you know, that's the place to be. But it wasn't. And it was because it, it didn't get critical mass. It didn't get enough people and it didn't gauge you in the right way or enough. And so you end up with a few last man standing, last woman standing uh, social media platforms. And it's just because it's hard to get people to engage. And I, I want people in the chat, our, our comment crew in the chat, to tell us what types of groups you like belonging to for a, for a business or a individual YouTuber or creator. 
And Gwen Miller, tell us what the the join button ah, yeah. is yeah, yeah, on yeah. YouTube. So we're talking about off YouTube. Let's talk about on, on YouTube. YouTube. What is the join button? And of course, there's super chat, which is sort of a join. Right, right. So this is funny because I love how Shelly positioned it that Patreon is like YouTube memberships, whereas mm -hmm. it's probably more accurate to say YouTube memberships just knocked off poor Patreon. Um, so it's it's essentially that. It is YouTube attempting to do Patreon within the platform. So you may have been com confused before. There is often a join button next to the subscribe button. It can be confusing if you're not very familiar with YouTube. Which of these do I press? And if you press the, the join button, they're asking you for money. And now you're like, oh, do I need to pay something to, to like subscribe to this channel now? Which has also been an interesting, uh, you know, issue that youtube has gone back and forth on even with the word subscribe because right. traditionally prior to youtube the word subscribe usually indicated you paid money so they had a lot of problem in early days of people being like i don't want to hit the subscribe button i don't want to pay money so they almost didn't use that word uh, and uh, in fact a lot of other platforms haven't used that word for that very reason now i have to feel like 15 years later that you know most people are well, doctor you know Dr. Jeff doesn't, he won't subscribe because he didn't know what it meant. He told me today, you know, he's a relatively savvy guy, but not about YouTube. So interesting. he's interesting. like, no, I love the channel, but I won't subscribe because I don't know what that does. Yeah. Yeah. So now just to make it even more confusing, you can hit a button that will ask you for money. So the join button essentially gets you to the product that YouTube calls YouTube memberships. And it allows you to pay a certain set amount. The creator can pick in tiers. Um, and to that creator for extra access and extra perks, right? So um, I've done a couple of these with a couple of channels and it might be, you know, extra content. So maybe you're doing lives, you know, this is a great tool for, uh, for, uh, for talent, uh, for creators who've gotten large enough that like their actual lives are like free for alls. They cannot follow the you know the chat <laughs> now super chats and a lot of other things can make this easier but if you really just want a more intimate you know discussion maybe with more serious fans and less likely to have the trolls join because most trolls aren't dedicated enough to, to give you money every single month to come troll you <laughs> so you can have a little bit more curated group that maybe you can have a more intimate conversation in a live behind that kind of paywall and then you can just offer a lot of different content maybe it's a behind the scenes video which we know is not going to perform well uh, organically on your channel anyways, but your super fans might be really interested. So you kind of have a win-win there where you can get a little extra money off of stuff that would tank on your regular channel anyways, right? And it makes them feel like they're part of behind the scenes. Maybe I saw some creators do some fun stuff around having their members be kind of, you know, involved in creating the content. So like they might, you know, like which thumbnail do you like? Or I was thinking of doing one of these four topics. What do you think? Like, give me your, give, give my, I have this story art I'm thinking of. What do you all think? Like, so it's again, taking these super fans and yes, there's a little danger here that you're increasing that parasocial relationship even further. Define uh, parasocial in case somebody doesn't know what it is. So it's uh it, it's, it's that one way relationship, right? That fake relationship. So if you are a viewer of a YouTuber, you feel like you know that YouTuber, but that YouTuber doesn't know you from Adam, 
right? So you feel like you have hung out with this person for five years and they're your best friend. They don't know who you are. So there's a lot of issues. You usually hear parasocial uh, use in a negative light because there's a lot of issues that can come out of that, of stalking and other sorts of, uh, you know, bad things that can happen when your fan base feels a tad bit too close to you. But there's also good ways you can use it in terms of fostering that that sense of relationship and community. <laughs> well, um, you know, podcasting is about the same age as YouTube. So podcasting probably started um, 2004 and, mm -hmm. and YouTube sure. around 2005. 2005. Podcasting, uh, Apple Podcasts a year or so ago decided they were no longer, you were no longer subscribing. You were following. Now, very few people would be considered stalkers as followers on podcasts. Podcasts, you don't really stalk people. Well, you just can't see. You don't know what they look like. <laughs> it's um, harder to stalk them. You, you, you haven't seen a picture of their front door like you have on YouTube when, with these, oh, these I am, I am so careful about what I show in videos. Um, so I think yeah, that would be... Also, though, not to interrupt you, a very important me. topic that we should talk about, which is online safety, whether it's, you know, specifically to additional things that sometimes females have to take into account that sometimes others do not or just um, certain groups of people and parasocial parasocial relationships. But I think online safety and what you can do to actually increase that online would be an interesting topic. Do you want to, any particular topics you want to talk about today or you want to get that to the next time? Oh, I'm just at some point in the future. We should definitely talk about it. Yeah, I think that's a full, that's a full. Yeah, that's a whole I think thing Shelly, on its own. Shelly <laughs> so and I could rant about that for an hour. Woo, we could. <laughs> let's say, okay, great. So let's say I get somebody into my Facebook group. Um, I, let's say like... Um, uh, Christina Smallhorn, right? Who's uh, who I think you know, Shelly. Mm -hmm. She's got a great Facebook group. She's a real estate agent who who talks about real estate on her YouTube channel and has done very well. Now has a big Facebook channel to help other realtors and real estate agents. Now you've got this big group. Why? What do you do? What do you do with that group? What's the goal? How can a business that um, like a TubeBuddy or some other group that has a Facebook group and a Discord group, what? how does that help their business? Shelly. Well, there's a couple different angles. So one is why would you create a, a Facebook group and what would be the point of it, especially one so large? But I would think for a while it was about sharing educational tips and tricks for people within the same industry who have the same or similar types of issues, struggles, um, and realizations and helping each other get to the finish line faster of where they're trying to go. So sharing of knowledge. And I would say that Christina, her Facebook group is eight and a half thousand members large at this point. And it is, I think she said eight or nine years in the making that she's had this Facebook group. And she just recently, nine years later, mm -hmm. sold her very first product inside of the group because wow. the group itself asked for it. So there was eight or nine years of building a relationship of just giving value, giving value, and then the value 
was being asked for at a higher level from more people than she could sustain by herself. So she offered something and they bought it. So there's that thing. As far as why a brand or business would want to do something like a Discord, it could be multiple reasons. One of them would be to ward off customer service um, inquiries because sometimes a lot of the people inside of the group are experiencing or have experience with certain issues that come up a lot. So if you have a community of helpful other people who can assist with, I've gone through that, this is a weird hiccup, this is how you fix that type of thing, it reduces the amount of people that actually need to contact customer service, but it also improves the quality of the community building aspect because people think I'm seen, heard, supported here, but they also then have better feelings of this community, this company, whatever takes care of me and the people who use its service, no matter what tier. So there's also that as well, which helps build brand loyalty. Um, so there's a couple of reasons why you do it. Some beneficial, which is reduction of having to man the <laughs> complaints that are coming in. Right. But then there's also the community building as well. And Gwen Miller does, does a, let's say you come into a, a person's or a business's orbit via YouTube and other social. And now you're in there, you know, off, off of YouTube community. And we say community, you know, we're saying we're not talking about following them on Facebook, following them on mm -hmm. Twitter or TikTok or Instagram. We're talking about a closed community that there's some sort of border on. Do they become better customers or do, and do they, uh, maybe if they're not paying customers, do they become paying customers in a shorter period of time? What I totally, you know, guess, but what would you think? Do you feel more connected to the brand? Yeah, look, you know, we know that it takes six or seven exposures for someone to convert. You know, that could happen purely on YouTube, but it might take quite a while, right? You know, in the cycle of things coming up in their feed. And yeah, there, I think there is a difference between the intimacy feeling like you you are part of this select group that makes you feel good about mm -hmm. yourself but in turn makes you feel better about the brand that i think speeds up that process versus the kind of the more impersonal oh this popped up in my feed and i watch it so yeah i think that can shorten that cycle if nothing else it indicates to you that this is this is a more motivated customer in terms of they are very interested in this topic they are likely better uh they're more, uh, they're better confirmed in terms of like, this is probably a good fit for me, right? A lot of what we're doing in, in marketing is trying to find audiences that are good fit, uh, reduce the chaff, so to speak, of people that uh, are, are just there for kind of tangentially, but really are like unlikely to convert. The more we can get that pure form audience that is likely to convert, the better off we are in terms of our marketing efforts not being uh, wasted. So I think this is a very well-designed audience in this group. Do, is everyone going to convert? No, but my instinct is they would probably be a higher converting audience, especially if you're giving them special things like, hey, I want to test this out with you all first. I'm giving you a discount. I need your opinion. You know, you're giving them special perks for being kind of that higher value customer in a lot of ways. And Chantel Hills says they also feel part of the inner circle and, and in other groups where you don't do self-promotion, I noticed that others of my group have suggested my products. And um, 
I had a question. I'm sorry. It's it's lost. I, I lost. Yeah, go ahead. I could comment on how Hearst uses non-social platforms, like owned and operated platforms. Yeah. Uh, in, 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 how do they in do it? So, you know, uh, Hearst is obviously very interested in how to own more of its audience. You know, mm -hmm. uh, to Shelley's earlier point, having your entire audience in the hands of large corporations like, you know, Facebook and Google can be very nerve wracking because many things can happen to disrupt your access to that audience. And there's that little, you know, thing of that revenue split, right? So, uh, you know, it's always been of interest to brands and for companies of all sizes to find a footprint that is more theirs. Now, the trade-off from that has always been less reach, right? You have what is essentially a discovery algorithm, which is YouTube, that's helping you find an audience. Whereas if you have a website, you have to do it all by yourself and or maybe spend a lot of time and effort thinking about SEO all the time, which is literally what Hearst does. But one of the things they're trying to do, we're trying to do uh, to, I, I will be honest, varying degrees of success at this point, <laughs> is creating these kind of uh, paid communities. And the advantage for Hearst, and, and it works for certain of our brands, like I think it's gonna be more difficult to get people to pay for some, uh, to pay be a paid part of say of Cosmo. It's not very niche, right? But some of our more niche brands, like it's great for bicycling. Because if you're if you're a bicycler if you're a bicycler who's reading Bicycling Magazine, you're an avid bicycler. But what does the community look like though? And so it's something, again, it gets back to similar to the, how YouTube is building these paid communities via memberships. It is giving them content that I literally cannot use anywhere else. Uh, but it's it's the really in-depth advanced stuff that it's like if you are a if you are a strong bicycler, like and you're really, really passionate about it, you're going to want to like have this niche information. But if I put that thing on YouTube, it would get like 200 views. Right. But uh, in this membership, those 200 views are going to be paid views and at quite a bit higher level. But where? So they, where? where? It's on a website. OK. So they run their own at, a, at the size when you get to a certain size. Obviously, as Shelly has said, there's plenty of different sites that will do this for you. When you hit a certain size, often you want to run it yourself. Mm -hmm. So Hirsch runs it uh, themselves on websites. And we have an internal product team, for better or worse, who, who's running the type of thing for us. Now, so it works for like a bicycling. Uh, it might work for like a good housekeeping. Where we are really killing it is we have a partnership with Oprah. Uh, and it's for O'Daly. And right now, name dropper. Oprah, yeah, well, it works when you have the access. So, like, uh, she's literally going live on this private membership group, like, several times a month. So, imagine that you're getting direct access to essentially Oprah. This is like, not the bike group. This is not the bike group. It's a very different, like, there's ways you can do it. You can do very niche. And then there's Oprah, who is a cult of personality, right? But, you know, you could be sitting on a live with with millions of people, or you can sit on a live with a couple hundred people with, with Oprah. And I think that's a value that a lot of people will pay for. And, and uh, Chantel Hills, also uh, one of our best comment crew, always. She says, watch out. Gwen is waving about a seam ripper. I need, I'm always, I'm like, I need something to do with my hands. And I have a fidget spinner, but I left it in the living room. So I literally was like going like this, trying to find something. And I came up with a seam ripper. So let that be a warning. I'll take a I, seam ripper for you, I guess. 
I will tell you something that happened um, recently. So, Shelly, you you know that I am uh, just a huge fan of the Discuss platform. Descript platform. Discuss was yes, something else. Me Descript too. platform. Um, you know, there's Descript, Discuss, Discord. I I, I get re. I think there's just too many of these dis words. Um, but Discuss. Is that right? No. Discus. No. I think it's discus. That was the old one. And then Descript. I, I don't even forget what I'm talking. I'm such a big fan. I just clicked the D on like my laptop. Anything with the, okay. So Descript is a platform where you can edit audio and video and work on your transcripts. And it's a very interesting thing because you can edit video by using text, like you're editing a Word document. And I, and I really get a kick out of that. However, they had and they had an active Facebook group and they killed it. They said, we're on Discord now only. We don't do Facebook groups. And people were pissed. People were like, why would you, you know, throw away 2000 member Facebook group? We like being here. And they said, no, we're not doing it. I don't know if they have some sort of issue with Facebook. Um, and there are many to be had. There are many to be had apparently with a lot of platforms, but I guess that they decided that Discord was where they were going to be. I think they may have had, you know, like a lot of business, I think, found that moderation on Facebook is a heavy lift, right? You know, not only that, but a lot of companies and brands, um, the WhatsApp integration, a lot of them are held hostage almost because of that integration, because texting and data is such a precious commodity in some of these other countries so they almost have to be but a lot of them have been scared fairly recently with some of these data outages where whatsapp will go down and entire businesses that are built upon this messaging platform system they were down for i think it was like almost 24 hours so the loss of business that happened there and i think a lot of the people that ended up scrambling realizing that they literally put all of their revenue eggs in this one basket and it could be glitchy. They could just not have it. And I think a lot of them got scared and wanted to pull off and have someplace else and not have it be the only place, um, any of the meta properties where that integration was happening. What's the opposite of meta? <laughs> um, Literal? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And, and Shelly, I want to ask you also, we, we were talking about stalking earlier, and, I, and this actually, is, I feel, is relevant because a lot of businesses, small businesses, you know what? It's not quite, I mean, stalking is a, I've overused the word in this instance because they want, everyone wants to contact this, this small business, meaning it may be a creator or whatever. Shelly, I just want you to review my product. I want to tell you about my videos. I want you to retweet what I'm doing. Let me just have your email and your phone number and a contact form. I tell you, if anyone who's run a contact form on WordPress even, you try to make it real simple and clean and not spammy, no matter what you put on, there's just boatloads of spam that comes in on those things. And one of the things a Facebook group or a Discord group does is it gives someone access to you, but in a way that you can manage. They don't call you. They don't know your phone number. Um, 
it seems like a solution to a lot of that. And that I think is why a lot of people do that. Do you agree that that gives access, but controllable access? Yes. If you know how to accurately set it up. Some people who don't and have their personal accounts also tied to it, which have their phone numbers or their friends of friends and they have, you know, the ability for anyone to tag them in videos and photos and, you know, getting pinged all the time and, and no like messenger bots that are happening behind the scenes when someone tries to message them. Um, it could create a lot of contact fatigue for people and it could make them at some points kind of throw up their hands and be like, nope, I'm not doing any of it and just pull the plug on the whole thing, which kind of kills it for the people who, mm -hmm. you know, Invested. want or have the best intentions at heart. And there's always going to be the people, especially if you had something like I'm a YouTube coach. And if you open up just some free Facebook group and it's nothing but review my channel, do this thing. And then they start to almost get demandy and then angry about the lack of time in between or something like that. It really kind of kills it for the whole thing. So if you don't have the safeguards in place, like these general questions or what time, like, um, a time expectation for someone getting back to you. The fact that you can't yeah. ping or tag the original member or admin of the group, but you have to go through a layer of like group admin type people. If you don't have a lot of that stuff kind of like worked out ahead of time, it can go off the rails very, very quickly. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the issues companies run into this and I certainly saw this in the advent of Facebook groups, like, you know, working for media companies, we're all like, let's all create a bunch of Facebook groups. And no one truly took into account the heavy lift that it takes to run these things or to moderate these things. Right. Um, and uh, you know, that's where they died a quick death. I remember the New York times did a bunch of these at one point, like they had one for everything. Right. But then they quickly found out like, uh, oh, what are we going to have? Like a, like an army that would have to like be to make these a productive part of the company. It just, the, the return for them wasn't there. So I think you definitely need a, a very careful about reason and plan for why you need the group, what the group's going to do and lay out very clearly the expectations for anyone who's joining, joining of here's what you get out of this. And a lot of it might be interaction with other like-minded people, but that may not be an answer from, from your favorite creator in five minutes. Right. And, and Shelly, you know, I'm in a number of um, Facebook groups about YouTube, essentially. YouTube for marketers, YouTube, this, this business that's on YouTube has a Facebook group. They're almost never named after the YouTube channel. They're named something more generic, like the YouTube makers and marketers group or something is like Daryl Eve's group. Why do they call it this generic name and is that better or worse and also in almost all of these groups it's never the creator and moderator is never saying hey look at my video and the rules also prohibit pe other people showing their own videos so is it in self-promotion so there's really more of a question and answer which i generally get good questions answered when I ask in these groups, but is that, is that the best practice if you're going to do something like this? And if you have time, is that the way to go? Don't make it the Dane Golden Awesome group, make it instead people who are interested in video marketing who don't want to promote each other. 
I'm going to say the answer is it depends on what you wait, want out of it drink. and what the people <laughs> who are in the group want out of it. So um, uh, I know, right? It, it depends. It's always almost always the correct answer because, you know, like I need more information, need more input. And so what I would say about that one, one reason why someone would not want to name the group after themselves. There's a couple. One, they don't want just people who are blind followers of that person because then you start to get that parasocial, let me ask you everything and expect that that creator whose name is on it is going to be the one to respond to you. And then there's an, a level of anger that happens if it's, let's say, a group admin instead. Another reason you may not want to do it is if that person leaves the group, what happens to the group? So instead of Dane mm. Golden's Video Marketers, it's Video Marketing Academy Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So even if Dane wanted to leave, you could even sell that Facebook group, almost mm -hmm. like an email list, like a commodity thing as something that you have that's valuable. And you could actually swap out owners of that Facebook group and you could slink away and the new person could inherit a Facebook group that's already populated with their ideal client type. You know what I mean? So there's actually a self-protection that happens if you were to do that and remove yourself from it. If you wanted to sell that um, piece of property, it's it's property I guess, in the future. So that that could be another reason why. Mm -hmm. So um, Gwen Miller, let's say you have these one of these groups, right? Is it enough to say put a link in your YouTube comments and that's enough? Should you put a link in your banner? Should you talk about it? often how do you how do you tell people and get them in there or are they just supposed to know look look you're not you're not going to get people to click on something without some verbal explanation like very few people are like poking around your banner and being like what's this you know and you know people aren't usually clicking on random things in your description either like it can be good practice to have you know how you can set defaults in youtube like, and a lot of people will have like, they're just like their list of like other, other places you can find me. And maybe that has a sentence explanation of the group. You mean your you pre-filled pre uh, description? Correct. Exactly. Okay. So like you have your Facebook on there and your Twitter, and then you have like, join my, 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 my group. And maybe a little pitch and explanation. You're going to get a little click through that way. But really where you're, you're going to have to make a sacrifice and dedicate some time in a video to it. Probably not a full dedicated video to it because, as you know, those aren't going to get a, a lot of views. But in a video that's ideally probably more interesting to your super fans than to a brand new audience who's not going to convert anyway. So, for example, good thing would be like a QA. and a And mm -hmm. one of the questions could be like, you know, uh, I, I, I want to learn more about X. How do I do that? And be like, oh, well, I have a new group that you should join. And occasionally doing those sprinkled in in these videos that are more designed for the super fans can start to kind of grow that audience for you. Your community tab is a good place as well because that typically goes to your, your more dedicated audience more than it goes to a brand new person. So just, you know, again, it comes back to this idea of like trying to find the type of content that will target perfectly the people who convert and not potentially alienate someone who's never seen you before and being like, why is this guy trying to get me to, to pay for this membership or convert to this other group? I just found, I just got here, right? It's all about strategery. Strategery. Absolutely. And tell us in the chat, you know, where would you, if we had a group, where would you prefer to do it? If, uh, when it would say we, since I'd, I'm asking really about myself and the <laughs> podcast angle, if I did it, 
because I'm thinking of doing it on on Facebook and Discord. Discord. <laughs> Discord. Uh, both. Dis I'm thinking of doing it both. <laughs> I funny have is when I that actually happened to me. I had thought about creating a Facebook group, and then I put it out and I said, "Y'all," in a community tab post to my members, I said, "Where would you like to have a group? Because it's for." y'all so they want a discord and or one person at least was like discord and i was like oh all right so then it was discord and so that's probably one of the only reasons why i like resurrected my discord which is like was dead before <laughs> pixel pia says discord maybe it was her <laughs> maybe it was her pixel pia is a member and if she said discord then i was like okay let's do it i think well, it was her and dr elo they both were like discord and i was like okay i guess we're going to discord <laughs> well, um, uh, as of next, you know, bef between this this live stream and next week, we will be talking to you in the Facebook group, in the Discord, and in all the other platforms. We're going to be there waiting for all three of us are going to be waiting <laughs> all day and night. Very for Richard you. Marks. We will be right here waiting for you. <laughs> We're going to be waiting. Um. Gwen wait, Miller. I have more. I have more. I have more too. Oh, oh okay. My wait, post, wait. My post-it's not done. Hold up my the post sticky. My post-it's not done. Hold up all the of sticky. My, <laughs> all of my viewers know I always have post-its, but like it's not done. I've, I've been crossing out the places that we've right. mentioned, but I still have a few that haven't been crossed out yet. Well, the live stream's almost over, so do them fast. Okay. Um, okay, so we had Uscreen. And then a lot of the places where you're creating your own type of app, like Superpass, which uh, throws a, mm. you throw your own like wrapper on it. It's like your own type of oh. app. And same kind of with Uscreen, I believe they have a level of service where you can actually do that as well. You could create a club, literally in Clubhouse, then host your own audio rooms there and have people do that. You can now have your own group inside of Twitter. And in, it's not just a list, but an actual group where it's curated and you can actually create that as well. Oh. You could create a Marco Polo group, which is very popular. I don't know why, but a lot of people really like it because you do quick little video messages to each other. We had Facebook, of course. And then there were text communities. Like, do you remember when Community, the text app platform actually was rolled out? I think Philip yeah. DeFranco is still on it. Gary Vee was on it for a while. But it was basically an email list through text. It was a text email list. And you could communicate with people and they could communicate back. And there you go. That was another one. Well, um, Chantel Hills says, hashtag post it fund. Is there a... I know I need more like more money for post-its like what? you can see how thin this one is getting <laughs> well let me ask this question is that uh, so I never buy anyone a coffee but what about buy me a coffee is that a group or is that just a way to tip people technically you can now set up a recurring if you wanted to and almost create like a membership or patreon over there so it's newly kind of a, a community building group over there too so you could use that too and and Shelly if people want to contribute to your post-it fund <laughs> Do you please have, do. Please is do. there a, like a public Shelly PayPal? Super Patreon, thanks her. Super thanks her. Super, super, uh, super thanks has now been rolled out to, I think, almost all the people now. I've been waiting for like, I don't know, a year for that. But yeah, I think I have a link to my buy me a coffee or, you know, I have channel memberships or anything like that in my channel description. So yeah, buy me some post-its. Okay. So if, if I am... Um... If you send that to me, I'm going to put that in the podcast description as well. <laughs> what, what, um, tell me what the super, super what? Super thanks. What is um, super thanks? I don't know what super thanks is. So if you go to a video and um, 
they may have channel memberships or they may not. It's kind of like doing a super chat, but on a video on demand instead of a live stream. Oh, so you can go to someone's video and be like, oh, this is a 45 minute tutorial on how to set up my Sony camera. This was super helpful. You can have the option. It's almost like the applause thing where you can just give them a one time like tip, like, thanks, man, this was awesome. And it comes with like a little, you know, um, text message that you can kind of put in and it can be and appear on videos when people go to watch it. And somebody just posted buymeacoffee.com that's it. slash that's, that's, there it is. Shelly saves the. <laughs> yep. But the super thanks, that's for monetized channels, I assume. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, let's super size whatever we've got going on. Shelly, until next week, how can people find you other than buymeacoffee.com <laughs> slash Shelly saves the? Find me on YouTube under Shelly Saves the Day or on Twitter under Shelly Saves the. And Gwen, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Gwen Miller. Come follow me. Chat about all things uh, digital video strategy. And I'm also on Twitter under Gwen. I am. But you can also just search Gwen Miller and I should pull up. And I'm Dane Golden, and you can find us on the Video Marketing Value Podcast, which is where this is also put in addition to Shelly's various streams. And it's also on my Vidi Up channel, V-I-D-I-U-P, where this week, just because I'm this kind of guy, I posted a video of eight secret YouTube URLs that no one else on earth will ever tell you about because they're just not that weird. <laughs> Until next week, here's to helping you help your customers through video.